0: Seven O Two, The Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Live, online, the 702 app, DSTV channel 856, 92.7 and 106 FM.
1: On the show today, the ANC celebrates its 112th birthday today in Mpumalanga as it prepares for its toughest election year yet. Calls mount for Bladen Zamande to be fired. The DA announces legal action after NSFUS corruption claims. Hundreds of doctors are unemployed, but there isn't budget to hire them in the public sector. And we'll wrap up the weekend sport. All of that over the next hour.
0: 702. Let's walk
1: the talk. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Midday Report on 702 and Cape Talk with me, Mandy Wiener. Happy 2024. Great to be with you today uh, back in the saddle. Thank you to Tiddy, my dear, who's staring at me across the studio for standing. in. thanks, Tiddy. You did a fantastic job. So thank you so much. I listened last week. So thank you. Always a pleasure, Mandy. Thank you. you, you. (laughs) It's going to be a big year, guys. It's an election year. There's a lot to talk about. We're already fully back in in full swing. So I look forward to guiding you through the political space, the news space over uh, over the next year. And I look forward to sharing a lot of that with you, your WhatsApp voice notes, uh, speaking to you about all the big issues. Uh, and don't forget, of course, you can tweet me. You can X me at Mandy Wiener. You can send me a WhatsApp voice note. 072-702-1702-072-567-1567. And uh, as I was saying, we're right back into it. The ruling party, the ANC, turning 112 today. Celebrations underway in Mpumalanga. And as we can always expect from the ANC's election machine, rolling into action. So there's cake cutting. Ramaphosa has been visiting iconic individuals' homes and graves, going door to door, all the things that you can expect from the ANC. Yesterday, there was this bizarre rumour during the rounds about President Ramaphosa not being well. Um, And there were suggestions on social media that he had collapsed and he was in ICU. So this morning, when he was out um, visiting... um, Dr. Inos Mabuza's family home in Low, uh, Lowville. Uh, he was asked about his health. Sipamandla Goge from the SABC asked him about where he was yesterday and speculation about his health. Have a listen to what he had to say to Sipamandla.
2: baby, where were you
3: yesterday? Were you working? Were you resting? What was happening with you? I had meetings and then I uh, then continued working at home, clearly on the instructions also of the officials. But in,
0: we want you
3: to be well-preserved because the next six days are going to be rigorous for you as president. So the news of my uh, illness uh, and the news that I was in ICI extremely exaggerated. Uh, i fit as a fiddle and I had no illness whatsoever. I didn't collapse okay. uh, at all. So
2: <laughs>
3: Yes, I know. But the deputy president was. You
2: were ably represented.
3: represented. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you. Ms. Bonelli, this is not a fake Cyril It's not a double. No,
4: it's not a double.
1: The news of my demise has been greatly exaggerated. That's uh, Sipamandla Gorge from ENCA. I think I made my first mistake from SABC. He's from the ENCA. Um, and that was uh, Ramaphosa speaking to him this morning when he was out in Loval. Uh, of course, we are gearing up for the big uh, January 8th rally this weekend, which is going to be taking place in Mpumalanga. And the ANC Secretary-General Fakile bolula making some pretty controversial comments yesterday. Effectively, what he has done is confirmed that the ANC lied to Parliament about former President Jacob Zuma. And uh, he came out and made some comments about the fact that the ANC polished Zuma's reputation, that they pretended that a fire pool was a fire pool and not a swimming pool around in Kandla. And, of course, there's been a lot of reaction to that. Have a listen to what Fakila and Balula had to say yesterday.
5: In defense of our president... We went to Parliament and opened an ad hoc committee and said uh, a swimming pool is a fire pool. We swimming pool, no that. Say change as fire pool. Our minister, minister of police, every leg hoping as selling at your Allah. <laughs> we to go to land <laughs> People have lost their careers because of that thing. It yeah, is constitutional court. Yeah, that is a voter in two. Two weeks' time, Wabuyum Huemuem, get judgment. And John, what better president we to is not fit for office? Samnyamezel. near and a lot to Ichuang and is not fit for office. Yai I'm He caught judgment. He lacho me at Umhuemuem, Yamona, I choke Mingoku, but Jaiva Bobabini and Mbazi. But wa Wakupa in judgment, Wapasa umsholos. That's the ANC
1: Secretary General Fakila Mbalula. Very short-sighted comments, uh, because it effectively admits that the ANC lied to Parliament in defence of former President Jacob Zuma um, and that they tried to to polish the image of Jacob Zuma, who of course now is campaigning for the MK party but remains a member of the ANC. So let's have a look at this week and what we can expect at the moment. Tidi Madea, EWN's Associate Politics Editor, uh, coming in to be interviewed after hosting the show for the past <laughs> few weeks. Titi, you're back on the other side of... I'm back way below with <laughs> the politicians of this country. Um, yeah, it's going to be a
6: busy week in Bombella. I'm actually traveling there tomorrow morning, Mandy. Um, the NC celebrating its birthday, but we know that, again, it becomes a big political event, door-to-doors, as you mentioned. I think there will be cake cutting this afternoon, but it will be the door-to-doors, the mini rallies, all leading up to the January 8th statement on Saturday, where they, they call it Umkombanzela, a tradition started by Oratambo in exile, where they give a line of march for the party and its, govern- and its government on the priorities for the year they set out six last year i have a sneaky feeling they'll have to repeat those six because mm. corruption load shedding the economy all remain key issues that they must deal with but also it is an election year so what we'll see you mentioned the nc machinery coming alive is that taking shape
1: and taking over Mbumalanga? Very much so. I think uh, we're going to start seeing this great big ANC election machine rolling into action, which can never be underestimated how effective it is and how effective Fikile Mbalula is as the, the former head of, it, of elections, right? And uh, as now as a Secretary General. The, the ANC is going into this election, yeah, uh, it really is the toughest election here that the ANC Absolutely. has ever, ever had to deal with. For 30 years, they have effectively mismanaged the country. And they are now facing a very, very real prospect of going below 50% nationally. They face a prospect of losing control of Gauteng and KwaZulu-Natal. Uh, we already know that they do not have control of the Western Cape. How would you describe the ANC going into this week? I think vulnerable. I think the ANC is is
6: in a vulnerable place, more so because of everything else that we know that's gone wrong on its watch in the country. But seeing one of its own leaders decampaigning it publicly like that, it's quite an interesting space that it finds itself in. You know, somebody was saying, happy 112 years, you've gone through colonialism, apartheid, and you've seen us into democracy. But my question is, how have they managed that democracy? And I think the NC has to account now. I think every other year, when the elections, when every time the elections, it manages to kind of finesse um, citizens. And I think people are frustrated. I think people are feeling the pinch of living in an NC government. It's difficult. And they're hoping for answers. But what I also recognize, Mandy, is that there is a bit of an echo chamber, if you may, in the urban areas where we have one particular view of the governing party. If you step outside of it, the NC still has a, enjoys a lot of support. The ANC so is a
1: rural party and that it's becoming more so a rural party. That should
6: concern the ANC too. So these are the many issues that they need to think about in terms of what their future is. So I do think it's an interesting space that the NC finds itself in but I also don't know whether or not it's got the ability to undo some of the damage it's done to brand NC itself its members have um, the the erosion of the organization and how you win over people I think the speech this weekend has to be about accountability a lot to account for to its citizens as they go and campaign they need to account for a lot of things they had that manifesto review over the past few months uh, last year but again um, I don't know if what they're telling us they've been hearing from citizens is really the truth of how people feel about the ANC. At least again, there's a difference
1: of opinions in urban areas versus rural areas. Cyril Ramaphosa, of course, is um, the face of the party. His face will be on the ballot come elections. We don't have an election date yet in case you are wondering. Sometime between May and August. But a lot of it's going to fall onto Cyril Ramaphosa. We heard a clip there of of him. Um, There was speculation yesterday about his health. That all seemed like a terrible rumour. But there was a lot of contradictions between the ANC and the presidency about what they were saying can we expect the president to be focusing a lot more on the ANC and a lot less on the government this year I think that happens with every election cycle. We see that uh, the role of government and the work of government pausing
6: with a greater focus on the election campaign. So I don't expect anything different. And what we've seen, if you think back to 2019, where he was pretty much campaigning on his own, he had to pretty much carry the ANC when he campaigned in 2019. What I think will be different for him this time around is that he has an NEC, Mandy, that will support him because he has an NEC that understands that it's the closest it's ever been to the loss of power. So they will be trying to work alongside with him Alongside their president, as opposed to decampaigning him. In 2019, he had Ace Makashule as the secretary general. So the engine was working against him in the NC. It's a very different picture now with Frigil and Balula. Figil and Balula, at every given opportunity, endorses their current president. So yes, there'll be a greater focus on party politics, not just for the NC. That's across the board for all political parties. But of course, the difference is they are the incumbent. But, um, yes. I see a lot more focus on the politics as we move closer to the elections.
1: And key election issues for me, I would say the key election issues are going to be the economy um, and unemployment. I think that's a, a big issue. I think NHI is going to be a big issue um, as well, just from from a government perspective. Uh, obviously, migration. Cr- uh, 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 that is exactly where I'm going. I think the biggest election issue, and already what we've seen is illegal immigration and the way that it's being weaponized in a yeah, way that it's the being board, yeah mm. across the board. So. Election essay, obviously, um, has has leaned very heavily on that. The EFF as well. And and that, for me, I think is going to be the key election issue.
6: Patriotic alliance. Is yeah, going yeah to of be course. Honest.
1: I think the EFF
6: has, has kind of stuck to its open borders uh, position. Mandy, I think that um, it's going to be interesting. But with all the issues that you've highlighted, please note that while this is not a local government election, service delivery issues will feed into this. Sure. How the coalitions Water are being electricity. run electricity, how the service delivery is being run will feed, it, the coalitions rather being run will feed into it. Even the potholes will matter. I think I'm seeing a lot of ratepayers associations coming up and I think they too will have a, have a influence on how people in their different communities vote. And I think don't ever ever, ever divorce South African or South African voters from the politics of the personalities. That is always a factor. I don't think it would be what it was at the height of Zuma's presidency. With, with demagoguery. Um, yeah, no, yeah. we're not there yet. But it does it, it does play
1: into into it does play a role in how people vote Tilly we shall be speaking often over the next few months. The Associate Politics Editor at EWN. So just a reminder, we are keeping a watch on the ANC's January 8th birthday celebrations underway in Mbombela. at the moment. A cake-cutting ceremony underway. Ramaphosa has also been uh, to visit uh, the home of an ANC icon uh, and is going door-to-door in Mpumalanga. You can expect a lot of that this week as the ANC turns 112 and prepares for its toughest election year yet.
0: the Midday Report, Monday to Friday,
1: 12 to 1 p.m. So from the ANC to the Democratic Alliance now, the DA leader John Steenhuisen has just announced action against Bladen Zamande. Uh, he has uh, just finished a live broadcast announcing urgent action to hold Minister Zamande accountable for uh, what they're calling blatant corruption at the expense of South African students. And this, of course, is on the back of ALTA, the organisation undoing tax abuse, uh, releasing leaked audio recordings last week, suggesting that service providers appoint to administer the NSFUS controversial new direct payment system, allegedly paid millions of rands in kickbacks to the higher education minister and to the NSFUS board chair, Ernest Causa, as well as at least a million rand in Zamanda's party, the SACP. There are now uh, louder and louder calls for played in and Causa to step down. John Stenhaizen, the leader of the Democratic Alliance, joining us now. John, good afternoon to you. Thank you very much for your time today. You've just made an address in which you call President Ramaphosa a coward and say that you are going uh, after Bladen Zamande with criminal charges, other legal action as well. Tell us about that.
7: Good afternoon, Manny, and good afternoon to listeners. Obviously, this is yet another example of the President failing to keep members of his own cabinet in check. Uh, the President's silence on this particular matter is once again deafening, and we're having a repeat of every other time there's been a scandal or hint of corruption uh, within his own cabinet the president runs for cover and does nothing about it uh, the ANC yesterday speaking about the so-called integrity committee that's not good enough ministers are accountable to the president and in this situation the the, the president should at the very least be asking ministers Amanda to step aside until such time as this matter is resolved it is very serious allegations but the worst is it's among some of the most vulnerable people in our country our young students who are desperately seeking and education as a way out of the grinding poverty and youth unemployment that bedevils our country and that they are now being forced to pay the price for corruption uh, is simply not acceptable.
1: You've announced uh, that you will submit a request under PIAS, so that's the Promotion of Access to Information Act, to obtain a copy of the report into the awarding of the direct payment tenders. other action as well, asking the SIU to get involved uh, if, to a greater extent, but also criminal charges against Bladon Zamande himself.
7: Correct, Um, and we'll also be going further, and our legal team are busy preparing documentation to apply to have the entire NISFAs boards, and certainly Mr. Corsa, declared as delinquent directors. Uh, This was one of the recommendations that flowed from the State Capture Commission report, which said that this should be standard practice uh, across the civil service when board members behave in a way that is against the fiduciary duties that they have, and behave in a way where they directly compromise the proposed beneficiaries, in this case, students. Um, these individuals should be declared delinquent directly they can't be moved, as Mr. Corsa was, from various other positions under Mr. mandate stewardship uh, into into key positions, and that he would not, if found guilty, be, found, be able to hold um, a board position ever again in South Africa. It's only by doing things like this that we're going to weed out this corruption that has pervaded the entire uh, public service in south.
1: Uh, John, um, you may have heard me speaking to Titi Madea a bit earlier on our politics editor about the fact that of course we are going into an election year um, we've been speaking about the ANC but from a DA perspective what can what can we expect from the DA uh, as the election campaign steps up I suppose many would argue that an issue like this first one as an example uh, would be used as an election uh, a tool in a way that, that there are issues that the DA is going to jump onto um, that, that would assist in electioneering?
7: Well, I think this issue goes beyond uh, electioneering. Uh, It speaks to the very uh, problem that the country has around youth unemployment, highest youth unemployment rates in the world, the only way we're going to get through that is by producing uh, young people who have got the skills and ability to be able to find work in the in the new world of work and are able to, to move forward. So absolutely, we want to be putting on the table a compelling alternative offer to the people of South Africa, and particularly in this case to young students, to say, well, if you want an NISFIS where you're not paying a certain percentage every time you swipe your card, you're not paying exorbitant fees, you're not having to sleep in libraries and in Toilet blocks at universities that you've got decent provision the money paid on time and in full That you've got to vote for a government that's going to bring those things to to fruition The ANC have failed the young people of South Africa They've failed our students and this year again mark my words Is going to be another major crisis with students not having the money in their accounts Not having place to sleep and in many instances not having money to buy even basics like food This is a ticking time bomb and the President ignores it at his peril.
1: John, thank you very much. Uh, John Steenhuisen, the leader of the Democratic Alliance, speaking to us there about the legal action that has been announced by the DA against uh, the NSFAS board and against the Higher Education Minister, Bladen Zamande.
8: What's up, Mandy?
0: On 072 702
8: 1702. Hi, Mandy. Posting anonymously for various reasons. Um, I'm finding myself very torn um, with this election coming up. Although I have to, I know I have to vote, and I will vote. I'm very torn between who I vote for. It certainly won't be the ANC or the EFF for my own personal reasons as well. Um, I don't believe. I do believe Cyril has done the best job he could have done, and I do believe that his hands have been tied significantly. Um, However, normally would have voted for the DA, but I'm also tired of the noise that I hear from them. Um, only sort of real success I've seen from them is um, What's happened in the Cape? So where does that leave me? Um, with all these other parties Um all the corruption that is underneath all of these other parties um, Yeah, it's kind of leaving me very torn about where to go and um, As I say um, very lost with with my thoughts at the moment
1: Thank you so much for being so honest and for, for sharing that because I think that that voice note resonates with a lot of people right now. I think that there are a lot of options. Um, hopefully, our job as the media is to to guide you through that that morass and try and give you information and interview the politicians and try and help you. Um, but, but it really is going to be a difficult decision for a lot of people. And I think that's an excellent segue into our next interview with Dr. Ongamam Timka, the political analyst uh, who uh, is joining us to speak about the, the ANC in January 8th today and where the ANC finds itself. But I think, uh, Dr. Timkaus, I'll start with that. The fact that we're going into an election year and there really are a lot of options for for people. Um, The ANC has been the, the prevailing ruling party. It is the incumbent. But this could be the year that everything changes.
2: Good, uh, uh, good, good afternoon to you, Mandy, and your uh, viewers. So, yeah, indeed, the ANC is facing a siege of a special type in the sense that it's facing skirmishes from a number of fronts um, to the left of it, to the right of it. And I think that for the first time in uh, national general elections, it's facing uh, the prospect of having other alternatives outside of the traditional political divide in South Africa that may really uh, help to bring it down uh, below 50% and that gives them sleepless nights.
1: The comments made yesterday by the ANC Secretary-General Fakila Mbalula about the former President Jacob Zuma and the fact that the ANC went to Parliament and effectively lied in defence of, of Zuma for me it slacks of a, of a party that is quite desperate um, to, to, to hold on to power but is willing to say things that could compromise it, itself uh, how does that impact on, on the voter and, and how the ANC is, is forming up uh, as it goes into the, the January 8th celebrations?
2: Uh, Two things there. So I separate between what sometimes the party uh, does and says when it thinks that it's just speaking to its members and what South Africans in general understand about the ANC. I don't think that there's any more revelations or admissions that the party can do. That can, uh, in 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 any more significant way, change how South Africans view it. Its own voters have been withdrawing uh, support since two thousand and nine, uh, and voters were never under any illusions in, in, during the fire pool saga that this that was in fact not a fire pool. So what? yesterday does. For me, it simply gives political uh, uh, or, or in fact, maybe even legal ammunition to those that may want to explore whether there are any avenues to bring the party to book now that in the light of the new revelations, the are clear. many South Africans are clear that this is what the ANC does. It does it at a national level. It does it in municipalities in, in when it, it is faced with officials. Who, whom internal audit findings, you know, paint a bad picture of, but it close ranks and protects both politicians and senior municipal officials. So this is vintage ANC. It's nothing new. As when what's new is Balula admitting it on that platform. And I think that's the second issue I wanted to say that they tend. His message was more about Jacob Zuma's ungratefulness rather than about this uh it's and 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 that issue of their their lives was only to show the lengths at which the party to which the party went in order to protect a uh, jacob zuma who is now ungrateful to the party and i think that that was his message to his members uh and 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 i think that uh that's what they are wanting to drive that uh the and it's a it's, it's a message about uh, Zuma and how great, ungrateful he is towards the party.
1: Dr. Ungamam Timka, thank you so much for that uh, excellent uh, analysis there of the ANC where it finds itself on its 112th birthday. And as he says, vintage ANC, um, the fact that it closes ranks, that it tends to introspect rather than focus on the national pictures. What's up, Mandy? On 072 1, 702
0: 1702
6: happy new year Mandy. good afternoon and your our
9: 702 family uh mendy i want to ask this is the terror from Tembisa. what can one do to open a case against the anc for lying to us as citizens of this country or can one sue the state or what can you please get advice for me, because these people have been lying to us. Now that uh, uh, Figi Le has given us the evidence that we need to know that they, will, they lied to our faces, what one can do to punish them?
1: Oh, don't you worry. There is a political party that is preparing right now to go to the local police station to lay a criminal charge against the uh, ANC and potentially for Kilian Balula himself and maybe Nati and Hleko for the firepool story. Don't worry. It's an election year. It will be taken care of. Um, having said that, though, I do think that um, it's up to individuals to, to hold the party to account as well. If you feel compelled to do so, you can do so at the election ballot box and if you want to hold the ANC accountable, that is the way to do it. However, if you want to vote for the ANC, you're entitled to do so too. And if you feel that uh, the party did the right thing, then that is your democratic right to do so. That is the joy of living in a constitutional democracy. But it means you actually have to vote. 702.
0: Seven O Two. Mandy Wiener.
1: Weekdays, 12 to 1 p.m. Let's take a look at the situation at the Gold One Mine in Springs in Ekurhuleni. Four hundred workers there were we understand, were dismissed via SMS. Um, I have seen some media reports saying that uh, that SMSs were sent out saying thanks for coming, but we no longer require you to work for us anymore. We know that there were uh, sit-ins, uh, variously reported as hostage dramas and a sit-in. Let's understand what's going on here at the Gold. One mine with Nokokanya Mtambo, EWN reporter. Nokokanya, good afternoon to you. What is the mine saying about dismissing these 400 workers?
4: Good afternoon, Mandy. So, we have gotten confirmation that 401 workers have now been dismissed, and this is, of course, a continuation of the hostage situation uh, and what others had called initially a voluntary sit in from back in October. That was the initial one. We then had a, a subsequent one at the start of December. All of this around organising rights. Again, uh, NUM initially was the only union who was allowed to organise under a closed shop agreement at the mine. Uh, but after they gave that up, Mku was then allowed to um, you know, rally workers to possibly uh, organise under them. But those processes are still underway. But what the mine had started to do in December, at the start of December, was to hold disciplinary hearings against all the miners who were underground during both those Citizens, And what's come of it is the dismissal of those workers. We've seen a list of uh, 400-odd names in a medical exit schedule. And what that in essence is uh, is a list of uh, workers who must now go for a medical exam as part of the disciplinary, um, uh, as part of the dismissal process. uh, And that confirming for them at least that they have been fired. Uh, The workers that we have spoken to have said they've got no official a confirmation from the mine itself no dismissal letters from the mine itself confirming this other than sMSs uh, giving scheduling uh, the dates for their medical exit exams so these 401 I imagine would be affiliated to amku then
1: um, if if there was a contestation around the fact that that num was the only union that was allowed to, to represent mine workers um, what are they saying about this and and where to from here does this can this go to the CCMA
4: um, is there going to be a protest? What, what what happens next? So technically, they are still under NUM. I remember Amco was the one who was fighting to have organising rights, and what they needed to do was a balloting process that would allow them to then have a stake, uh, you know, in, in organising rights at um at the at the mine. And that process they still need to undertake in terms of the balloting process and to formally write to the mine asking to have organising rights. So as they want stands, to be members of They, they do, yes. Um, but as it stands formally, they are still under NUM until such a time as that process has been finalised uh, by the CCM and the mine processes as well. Um, we are still trying to get a sense from the union, uh, NUM, about what they are hoping to do. What we understand is that the mine uh, was refusing to give the workers um, letters to appeal this decision by the mine and so there appears to be some sort of uh, back and forth about whether or not they will be able to to, to to appeal the matter, but we do uh, just uh, we are still just waiting to get a sense from the unions in terms of what they plan to do uh, going forward.
1: Kanyam <inaudible> Mtambo, EWN reporter, with an update there on the Gold One mine in Springs in Ekurhuleni. Some action being taken there by the mine uh, seems to have fired 401 uh, workers after that hostage situation sits in a double situation really. So we'll be closely watching that one.
0: The Midday Report, Monday to Friday,
1: 12 to 1 p.m. So, in Johannesburg on Friday afternoon, we saw a heavy downpour of rain. It lasted about 45 minutes, flooding parts of Joburg. So, emergency services, uh, having a look at that situation. uh, Many um, uh, areas were submerged in water. So, that's the one thing. The other is that there are flood warnings uh, for KwaZulu-Natal. So, the KZN Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs Department has activated disaster management teams to stay alert in various parts of the province. Um, there are warnings of level 2 severe thunderstorms for parts of KZN. We know how badly KZN has been hit in the past with uh, with flooding uh, and recently also um, over December we saw 800 households experiencing structural damage 47 people being left homeless as well. Let's focus in on the situation in Johannesburg uh, with Tabiso Goba who's having a look at Alexandra specifically areas that were affected near the yuxke River. Tabiso, good afternoon to you. Thank you for your time. Tell us where you are and and what's happening there.
3: Um, Good afternoon, Mandy. Well, we're currently at uh, Situetla. Um, So this is a community that is along the riverbank of the Yaksuke River. Um, And I can tell you, Mandy, that um, some of the residents here have showed us um, the videos of just how it looked like during the weekend when there was those heavy rains. And I think, Mandy, you know, it was about 10 meters, was, the water was about 10 meters tall. And obviously there were some of the shacks here that are along this riverbank that were in, incredibly damaged um, during the weekend. And obviously a lot of people who live along this riverbank had um, not evacuated, but actually they fled themselves, obviously took some of their belongings and found alternative accommodation. I can tell you that now, Mandy, as you speaking, is that a lot of people have started sort of rebuilding some of their shacks uh, and just making sure that obviously um, that they have a place to live in by the end of the day. And I think this just goes into the issue. This is not the first time this has happened, Mandy. It it usually happens. And the people that we've spoken to saying that, you know, we're poor. We don't have anywhere to go. So Mm. we do have to rebuild and stay here.
1: So we know that a lot of work has been done by the city of Joburg around um the the banks uh in in Alex uh, along the Yoxgay River to move people away from there. And as you say it's happened before and it will happen again. Are there are hmm. there um alternatives uh that the city is is offering to these individuals so that they do not build their shacks again on the banks of the Yoxgay?
3: Well Mandy, uh, we we spoke earlier today with uh, with the wide councillor Adolf Marema and um, what he said is that, you know, a couple of years ago there was about 29 shacks here, and um, the city found alternative accommodation for these people, so they evacuated everyone. Now, as we're speaking now, Mandy, there's over 50 shacks, and there's more people um, who have come back. So this is what this is the cross of the issue with what the city of Johannesburg is struggling with: is that every time they do evacuate. Um, some of these people here is that they actually do come back or if they do not come back they actually do rent out some of these shacks because this is johannesburg there's always going to be someone who just find a place to live in and um, so that they can look for work in obviously these neighboring areas so that's it's uh that's the heart of the issue is that uh, the councillor has said that maybe the city of johannesburg will have to look at the Time they do evacuate these people, they actually have to put in physical barriers and actually have security, making sure that no one ever builds here again. Mandy.
1: To be so, thank you very much. To be so, cool EWN reporter who's in Alex having a look at uh, that situation along the Yixke where areas have been flooded in the past. And the concern, of course, is that it will happen again. 702. The
0: Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Let's walk the talk.
1: In KwaZulu-Natal, the man accused of killing a woman, Tanya Msane-Zungu, last week expected to appear in court today... KZN police saying that uh, the man handed himself over to authorities on Friday Uh, we know that there is a a, an alarmingly very concerning high rate of murder in South Africa so why this one murder Um, that is in the spotlight Uh, the the death went viral on social media last week Um, many people knowing expressing her death Um, and it's just another case of gender-based violence but it's important to, to highlight and to to Shine a spotlight on the Msimshane Zungu shot and killed at a Pinetown home on Wednesday, days after she had just returned from China, where she was studying. And Mabaso, EWN reporter, following the story for us. And Klankle, good afternoon to you. Tell us about the court appearance today.
10: Well, Mandy it's just adjourned. In fact, here at the Pine Town Magistrate's Court, this is where uh, the man accused of killing Tanya Msimshane Zungu appeared before the magistrate court, of course, for the first time now to apply for bail. But the matter had to be postponed to the 17th of January to allow the investigating officer working on this case to profile the accused, to look at whether he has previous conviction and also to verify his home address. So the magistrate basically saying that it was not going to be possible to grant bail at this stage given the fact that they do not even have his address that he will be going to because his home, that's where the incident took place. Now, it's also emerged that the accused was actually Tanya Musana's husband, a military officer who, of course, uh, according to LS paramedics, shot the deceased multiple times. Uh, We are told she died on the scene. That's according to LS paramedics. They say when they arrived at the scene, there was nothing more they could do. Uh, yesterday, it was Tanya's funeral, and I think it's important to mention that, you know, a lot of people, especially the church uh, that she attended, the World Gospel Impact Church, basically expressing their dissatisfaction with this, but also mm. praising and you know, referring to Tanya as one person who was very committed to the church itself, but also to whatever she did, the says she loved things that she did. She was also in the South African National Defense Force, but then... Um, took other courses within the South African National Defense Force, and then she then went to DUT, where she furthered her studies. She was in China also learning uh, Mandarin. She just returned to South Africa just days before she was shot and killed by a man who has appeared in court and been confirmed that it was her husband.
1: Terribly tragic, uh, Nkantla. Thank you very much for that. Nkantla Mabaso in court for us. It's just one, I don't like using the word just, it is one of many, many GBV cases that occur in this country. Uh, And uh, as we've seen in this incident, uh, the husband of Tanya Msane Zungu appearing in court today accused of her murder. What's up, Mandy?
0: On 072
1: 702
0: 1702.
6: Good day, uh, many It's not many. Amputers. Compliments of the New Year. I think this scandal facing the higher education minister, Platon Zumande, is shocking. And uh, I'm just uh, baffled by the fact that uh, the loud mouth of the SACP, uh, Solima Pahil, has not said anything about his boss. And uh, secondly, on the issue of uh, the SG of the ANC, Mr. Mbalula, and the remarks he made about President Zuma, we all knew that the ANC, uh, in terms of uh, that scandal of Nkandla, they were all uh, rallied behind the former president and to do wrong things. And now uh, he's trying to uh, score cheap points. Uh, this is not uh, going to work for, for them in terms of uh, future elections. Thank you. My good MND. I failed to understand Mbalula's context because the support which they offered to Jacob Zuma is the same support which they offered to Ramaphosa on Palapala they defended Ramaphosa on Palapala so there was no need for Mbarula to say those words but as they say communication is science
9: thanks David
1: Thanks, Norman. Thanks, David. And as Dr. Ngamam Timka said earlier on on the show, this is vintage ANC. It is the ANC closing ranks and the ANC protecting party before state. And very much what we saw the party do around Jacob Zuma it has done around Sir Ramaphosa and I do agree with that. Um, but the ANC really having to introspect and confront uh, the reality of the fact that uh, it's, it compromised itself to protect Jacob Zuma and we now have an admission from that they lied to parliament effectively that the fire pool is a swimming pool and not a fire pool. And we all knew that, right? We all knew this, but the ANC was willing to do whatever it took to protect
4: Jacob Zuma. Compliments to the team. Uh, Happy New Year to the team. I'm saying that I'm an activist and yes, the DA has shown us that they um, can govern well in Cape Town. So it's a huge concern, as the previous caller was saying as a voter, that they don't realize that they're fighting for power in the city of Johannesburg. And we as voters are suffering with basic, basic services, water and electricity. So yes, there's a lot of emotions for voting. But as an activist, I believe that we need to go out and vote. Look for a party that has your values and vote. You need to go and vote.
11: Hi, hi. Good day there, Kwaito uh, from Katlehong. I'm, I'm very much curious to hear what the leadership of ANC is gonna say, or how are they gonna respond to what Fila said yesterday. I think the guys just reckless. I think they they running out of excuses for all this, this corruption and and their state at the moment. But for Figile as an engine of the ruling party, I, the guy is very reckless. He is reckless. Admitting I, to the nation that they defended corruption, it makes everybody wonder what else is hidden. I, no, man. No, 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 no. I, our ANC. 702. Mandy Weena. Weekdays 12 to
1: 1 p.m. As I mentioned earlier, the NHI, the reform of healthcare in South Africa that is muted, is I think going to be the big one of the, the biggest issues this year. Um, and keep that in mind when you have a look at stories around the critical shortage of medical professionals in state owned hospitals. So reports coming out that over 800 qualified doctors are unemployed and that there are budget constraints according to the South African Medical Association Trade Union, (SAMATU), which means that those doctors cannot be employed by state hospitals. Reacting to this is the SA Medical Association chairperson, Dr. Mwisi Mzukwa. Dr. Mzukwa, good afternoon to you. Thank you for making time to to speak to us. What, what is the implication of this? The fact that you've got 800 qualified doctors who are unemployed, but they cannot be employed at state hospitals because there are budget constraints. Uh, good
9: afternoon to you and to listeners and thanks for inviting me um we we are really uh, taken aback by the fact that you know government has uh, adopted the NHI uh, through parliament and uh, we also have we thought that uh, the government was going to prepare for the NHI in terms of getting more professionals on the ground making sure that the healthcare system is capacitated uh, but you know the opposite is happening we see a government that is very tardy in its approach. Um, and you'll understand that uh, there's no good coordination between provinces and the National Department of Health. We've had provinces sending uh, students abroad. Uh, when they come back, they are not known uh, to the national government. In fact, some of them, they are even left there unattended, you know. Um, and, 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 and then we have to intervene. But the biggest problem uh, around this is poor planning. We do have a document uh, called the Human Resource for Health 2030. That is there, gathered in dust. And uh, we also have a reduction in the budget. Uh, It has been reducing by 1% Mm. over the the few years ago. So those are the challenges that we are facing on the ground. Not not only that, the other issue is that we've got doctors living. You know uh, uh, the public sector because there's broken equipment, there's uh, de- dilapidating hospitals, uh, there's lots of challenges in terms of security. So those are the issues that are are, are, are facing the healthcare system, as we speak.
1: When you lay it out like that, Dr. Mzukwa, and you speak about the, the failures in uh, the public sector, the, the cuts on, on the budget, knowing that the NHI will cost 860 billion rand, uh, surely it's just not feasible at this point.
9: Well, we have been uh, we're on record, you know, cautioning uh, government, you know, to say our problem actually is not just money. Money might be one of the problems, but the problem is poor governance and leadership. The other problem that we're facing is uh, dire shortages on the ground in terms of human resources for health. We do have shortages. It was admitted by the minister in parliament that we've got a dire shortage of doctors on the ground. But what we see now, we see post-community service doctors who are fully qualified, who are sitting at home and are not employed, those rural hospitals. The needy uh, community being served because this government does not have money because most of the money has been wasted on corruption and many other things that are happening in government, as we know.
1: Sure. Doctor, thank you so much for your time. Dr. Mvuyisi Mzukwa, the chairperson of the SA Medical Association. Very powerful comments there uh, around what is happening in the healthcare sector. More than 800 qualified doctors in public health posts uh, are not. Employed because of a shortage of fence.
0: Sports Rare.
1: Sports Rare. On
0: 702 and Cape Talk.
1: Lots of sports are taking place this weekend. Lots of sport over the past couple of weeks, uh, Mawanda Mateza. I have consumed a great deal of sports uh, during my break. I watched a lot of tennis over the weekend.
12: Uh, good afternoon, Mandy. Yeah, uh, it's such a fascinating time. And I think it's the reason why a lot of us love the Australian Open, because there's just this fresh energy with the new year. And I also associate the new year with tennis. Uh, and it's been a fantastic week. We had the United Cup. The United taking Cup this.
1: was incredible. Yeah. It was just everything. I'm not really. Wire. Yeah, and I'm not
12: really, really a fan of, of team tennis. I, I'm not really into the Davis Cup all that much uh, or the Fed Cup or anything like that. But the United Cup, for some reason, has something different about it. Uh, and also, I feel like you can see that the players are having a lot of fun mm. within all of the trying to get ready for the first Grand Slam of the year taking place in six days' time. Uh, so it was really, really good to see. Uh, and also, in between all the subplots and the storylines, you know, you had with Novak Djokovic struggling last week against Alex Demino, Demino winning and making it to the top 10 for the first time in his career now and you had Igish Swiatek coming back into form uh, and Alexander Zverev who looks like uh, he's keen for the year and possibly claiming a first Grand Slam title so uh, that was absolutely phenomenal and then you also had the ASB Classic uh, taking place out in Auckland, New Zealand where Coco Goff ended up uh, defending She
1: almost lost it, hey?
12: Yeah, she had to come back from a set down to win in three sets against Elena Svitolina and also coincidentally the first time that she successfully defended a title in her career which is a very big move for a big big step for her. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Especially also considering that she won the US Open last year and now she's possibly could follow it up with another uh, Grand Slam title. So I think she's definitely one to look out for. And also don't count out Elena Rybakina yeah. uh, winning. In Brisbane. Right? Yeah, uh, yeah, beating uh, Irina Sabalenka 6 and 6-2 in the final at the Brisbane International. So I think we're all set for a really, really good it's month of tennis attractive. ahead. Definitely. definitely.
1: Um, you have spoken about tennis for so long because I think you actually don't <laughs> want to speak about the FA Cup,
12: <laughs> right? Ah, you caught me. <laughs> yeah. Um, Arsenal uh, lost yesterday. Uh, 2-0 to Liverpool. Uh, it was an absolutely frustrating performance being an Arsenal fan myself because of the fact that they created so many chances uh, and it's been the, the story of Arsenal now for the last three games that they've lost consecutively where they create the chances, however, just not clinical enough to finish it. And kudos to Liverpool as well, who were playing without a number of their frontline stars, Sabah Sly, Mo Salah, uh, Virgil van Dijk and a couple of others. Thiago wasn't there, uh, Andy Robertson wasn't there either. Uh, and for them to manage that result against a high-flying Arsenal team away from home as well, absolutely phenomenal for them. Uh, uh, and um, there was a question asked by uh, to Jürgen Klopp rather uh, about whether this says anything about the title race, uh, and he's a little coy, but you can see a little bit of uh, there's a quiet confidence about him, uh, and I think that um, that victory from Liverpool yesterday was was incredibly impressive.
1: Very quickly, you have thirty seconds. So, what are you looking forward to this year? Olympics? What else? Yeah, there's the Olympics. Funny
12: enough, Afcon- I'm, looking, I'm looking for uh, that's, was my answer. I'm looking forward to Afcon starting next week. Uh, there's an unpredictability about it, and I know that there isn't much that is expected from Bafana Bafana at this tournament. It's the first time in five years that they're participating at the continental showpiece. However, I think that Morocco, they ca- no. Yeah, no, not really. Uh, AFCON's one of those where you think the favourites are going to cruise it and they just struggle and they completely collapse. anyone's game, huh? Yeah, and I enjoy that about AFCON. There's an unpredictability unlike any other tournament in the world. So look out for Bafana, Bafana. Don't count them out just yet.
1: Well, I love your optimism and your, (laughs) your predictions, Mawande. I think there's lots of people sighing at their radios right now. Mawande Mateza, EWN Sports Reporter. The Midday Report. Well, thank you so much. It's great to be back uh, on your radios and to be engaging with you. Thank you for all the WhatsApp voice notes. I look forward to an exciting, busy, eventful 2024. There's lots to get through.